You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rainer-Wallace. This is Echo and Narcissus, Chapter 8, in which Kurt and Inga are not on the menu. I knew it was going to be something like this, said Inga. No, said Kurt, after a long while. I don't believe you. Something like this. Has there ever in the history of our profession been anything like this? We're innovators. There was a pit. Far beneath the Narcissus showground, beneath the sea monster tank and the dressing rooms, beneath the secret tunnels and whatever else they had going on down here, there was an enormous glowing pit, about the size of a small lake. Mostly, it glowed purple. Sometimes, whip-thin tentacles shimmered and emerged from within it. They did not look like octopus tentacles or any other sea creature tentacles. They looked like, well, cosmic otherworldly tentacles. So, that was a thing. Kurt and Inga hung by their wrists from a long beam that stretched across the pit, which meant they could see almost directly down into it and its eternal depths, if they looked down. Not looking down was a priority for both of them right now. Really, said Kurt, after a longer pause. You knew it was going to be something like this. The audience, Inga said, continuing their conversation from earlier. In the big top of the salt circus, it felt unusual. Audiences were half the size of those at Candle, but the audience felt warm, loving, connected. There's a a high beyond the usual theatrical fuzzy feelings. That's why all the circuses love coming to Narcissus so much. They're addicted to how it feels to perform here. The magic. Circus magic, or? I'm not speaking in metaphors. And speaking of magic, we didn't rehearse, Kurt. We barely even did a run-through. But the show went like clockwork. We improvised, and it was marvellous, and no one got hurt. Somehow it seemed like a great idea to let an unrehearsed teenager do a ridiculously challenging stunt, and it went perfectly. That doesn't happen in any circus. I don't believe the salt circus artists are especially lucky, and I don't believe they have such a welcoming policy about guest performers at any other site. I think everything that went down today happened because their tent was pitched here, directly above, well, this. Kurt sneaked a very brief peek down at the glowing cosmic pit beneath them, then wrenched his eyes upward again. Their wrists were tightly bound in metal cuffs, held in place by short, heavy chains. One of the sleeves of the fancy suit he was still wearing was torn from being manhandled into the cuffs. Going quietly was the plan, but try telling all of Kurt's reflexes that. 
He'd figured it wouldn't last, this suit, but he'd thought maybe more than a day. I can't believe we surrendered, he muttered. We never used to have weaknesses that assholes like Grayson could use against us. That was before you fell in love, said Inga, in a knowing voice. Kurt's head snapped around to look at her. In love? He was not. That was... Just because he agreed to play fake boyfriends with the gaffer and was now feeling seriously betrayed, didn't mean... Inga looked amused, like she knew exactly what was going on in his head. With the circus, she said gently. Six weeks ago, there was only us to protect you and me. Now you have the well-being of an entire circus to worry about. That's a lot of moving parts. You know you don't have to do it alone, right? He looked at her for a long time. Not quite able to come up with a clever response to that particular bombshell. Inga nodded. I have some bad news, though. Their situation could literally not get worse, could it? What now? I'm pretty sure that man didn't take the babies in order to make matching accessories for his revolting suit. Then what? Kurt paused and looked down at the magical roiling mass of cosmic something beneath them. Oh, hell. Your girlfriend has it right said the smarmy voice of Grayson. He walked around a wide platform that ran the perimeter of the terrifying pit. He still held Tiny Pearl in his hands. Tiny Pearl, heavy with oil that prevented her from using her wings properly. It must be soaking through his fancy tailored trousers. But Grayson had a tailor on standby, so he clearly didn't care. You don't gain all the wealth and power I've sucked out of the city of Echo. Not without having to appease the odd ancient creature. And the trouble with ancient creatures is they get bored with the same old sacrifices. Eat one underage virgin, you've eaten them all. This particular lady, she likes, well, unique flavours, unusual beasts. But you know what she's never tasted before? Fresh air and daylight, suggested Kurt. Retired assassins with newly acquired trapeze and carpentry skills, sighed Inga. Baby dragon, said Grayson, in triumph. One's not enough, of course, said another voice, one so familiar it made Kurt's heart ache. Brennan walked along the platform. He was in a different... Equally extravagant suit, this one dark grey with a violently magenta shirt beneath, tailored perfectly to his form. He looked completely at peace with whatever had brought him here. Not that I'm suggesting our lady here has a big mouth, Brennan added, with a familiar half-smile. But one baby dragon would hardly touch the sides. Five, though. Five is a proper mouthful. She'll enjoy that. When our lady is pleased, fortune and favour follows, said Grayson. When he grinned, the light hit his teeth like he was performing in the ring. Why run one city when I can have two? The terrifying cosmic pit made a satisfied hum. 
Grayson held Tiny Pearl out in front of him, dangling her over the edge. She cried out in a shrill whistle. Oh, Kurt was going to burn this fucker's city to the ground. Tiny Pearl bleated, twisting her useless wings this way and that. In her panic, she set fire to the shirt cuff, poking out from beneath Grayson's scaly jacket sleeve. The old man swore and dropped the baby dragon into the pit. A swoosh of blue passed in front of all their eyes, as a full-sized dragon, blue, of course, big blue herself, swooped down over the pit, capturing Tiny Pearl in her mouth, as easily as she had grabbed the paper fish from Finn under the big top. A well-placed bullet cracked open one of the chains holding Kurt in place. He grabbed the other and flipped himself up onto the railing, ignoring the searing pain in his shoulders from the twisting motion. I have a wire in my sleeve, said Inga, waiting patiently for him to free her. Got my own. Obviously. The enormous underground room began to fill up with people. Their people. Clowns and carnies and dragons. None of Grayson's henchmen in sight. They must have been taken out already. The dragon circus didn't mess around. There was something odd about the clowns. He'd noticed that earlier. They all wore their usual offstage combos of flannel and denim, but their faces were different. Simpler patterns, red on white. All the same, instead of their complex personal designs. Now he had a chance to look carefully... Kurt could make out the difference between Riff and Otto and Sherman and Gladys, but he had to make that effort. Why would they wear the wrong faces? Unless they were trying to hide someone in plain sight. Then Brennan. Of course it was Brennan. Kurt would know him anywhere, despite the flannels and denims and red and white clown face. Surged out of the group to smash his magenta-shirted doppelganger in the face. Grayson was on the ground now, gasping for air, with two enormous dragons, bronze and red, equally pissed off about the suit he wore, pinning him to the ground. Like I said, said Inga, grinning at Kurt as he finally picked her free of the metal cuffs, a lot of moving parts. Getting down from the railing was difficult and painful. He'd done something bad to himself during that flip, but achievable. After that, Kurt found a step to occupy while he watched his circus crew argue about whether or not Mr. Grayson should be dropped into the giant cosmic pit, and if so, whether it should be with or without his grotesque jacket. The false Brennan in the grey and magenta outfit had dropped her illusion. It was Shell, of course, which Kurt should have realised. Another failure in a day of complete failure on his part. How had he ever been taken in by her tricks? He hadn't even got to punch anyone. The borrowed suit was mostly intact, apart from that one slightly torn sleeve. Kurt felt kind of ripped off. If he'd been the one saving the day, the suit would be wrecked by now. Slashed, drenched in blood, possibly still on fire. Delegation was weird. He didn't like it. You're very quiet, 
said Brennan. The real Brennan, coming to sit beside him on the step. He wore a red bowler hat which matched his red and white clown makeup. It was still clearly completely him. How had Kurt thought otherwise even for a moment? Slightly injured, Kurt grunted. Brennan gave him a sidelong look. The bold lines of makeup only served to emphasize how unimpressed he was. Dislocated shoulder? Getting out of those cuffs? Both shoulders. Is that why you threw yourself at the wall a few minutes ago? Trying to pop them back in yourself? Thought no one had noticed. Brennan's painted eyebrows were even more unimpressed than his usual ones. On your feet. Come on. Kurt stood opposite him and braced himself as Brennan, with his usual methodical efficiency, snapped both of his shoulders back into place. It was exactly as painful as Kurt had expected it to be. When it was over, Brennan gave him a reassuring pat on the back, and then they sat back down next to each other, pretending it had not happened. Like men. I don't understand how she did it, Kurt said after a long moment. He needed to apologise or something. He should never have believed that Brennan might betray the circus or the dragons. Shell is an excellent illusionist, Brennan said calmly. The best in the business. Good enough to fool us, Kurt said, utterly pissed off at himself. Bad enough she convinced Puck and Finn she was you, the walk, the body language. They've known you half their lives, but... Me too. I'm a professional, he didn't say out loud, because nobody likes a whiner. Don't feel bad about it, said Brennan. This was a special case. I should have realised she was so many steps ahead of me. Warned you. She must know you pretty well, Kurt said thoughtfully. To be so convincing in her performance when she took the babies, especially if she hadn't seen you in 15 years. Brennan let out a long breath like a sigh. She knows me better than anyone ever has. Your ex, then? This is fine. Kurt could take this information on board. One more detail in an extremely complicated day. Worse than that, said Brennan. She was my Inga. Kurt stared at him. Of course, this world... The world of echo mobsters and fancy hotels and sharp suits. Of course Brennan had not been a lone operative. He was too good for that. And you left her? He said without thinking. Brennan winced. I can't even say it was for noble reasons. I wasn't ready to go straight then. Wasn't questioning my life choices. I was young and stupid and everything here was so easy working for Grayson. I thought we could be bigger, badder. Better out there in the world. Shell did not agree. So I left her, went to the mainland, did a lot of damage. The further I got away from Echo and Narcissus, the more I felt that ache to return here. I didn't trust it. I don't trust anything that overwhelms reason. So I fought it all the way. Now, of course. Now you know it was a giant cosmic tentacle creature in a pit that was trying to lure you back to the city. I get extra points for gut instinct, I suppose. Brennan looked sad, an effect only made more obvious by the clown makeup. I didn't know what I was running from, 
until I found the Dragon Circus, and life became worth living. I know that feeling, said Kurt. Yes, said Brennan, with a sudden blinding smile. I think you do. Excuse me, I think I owe my old partner an apology, and a very meaningful threat about what will happen to her if she goes near my dragons again. He stood up, to head in Shell's direction. She's going to stab you, Kurt informed him. She's going to try, Brennan agreed. Should be interesting for both of us. Inga passed him as Brennan headed down towards the prisoners. She sat with Kurt for a while and watched as the crowd of clowns and crew parted to let Brennan through. You're still hot for him in grease paint then, she remarked thoughtfully. Something I didn't need to know about myself, Kurt sighed. A roar of applause rose up as some of the clowns ripped the dragonhide suit from Grayson and hurled it into the pit. Come on, said Inga. You won't be happy until you've counted the baby dragons for yourself. And at least one of them has set fire to your hair. You know me so well. Kurt was not going to be happy until every member of the Dragon Circus was well away from these cursed cities and on the road again to anywhere else. But seeing Mr Grayson lose his stupid jacket wasn't bad at all. Thanks for listening to the penultimate episode of Echo and Narcissus here on Sheep Might Fly. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. If you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. And right now, those uh, ebooks include the two dragon circus stories. Uh, so, yes, you could become a Patreon subscriber. Download the ebook and read next week's chapter right now. Otherwise, I'll see you back here next week. Mm-hmm.